Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I'm on the 83rd floor. I'm gonna die right now. No, 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 no. Say I'm gonna die. Ma'am, 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 say your prayers. We're gonna think positive because you gotta help each other get off the floor. I'm now. Die. No. <laughs> Today, our fellow citizens, our way of life, our very freedom came under attack in a series of deliberate and deadly terrorist acts. The victims were in airplanes or in their offices, secretaries, businessmen and women, military and federal workers, moms and dads, friends and neighbors. Thousands of lives were suddenly ended by evil, despicable acts of terror. The pictures of airplanes flying into buildings, fires burning, huge, huge structures collapsing, have filled us with disbelief, terrible sadness, and a quiet, unyielding anger. These acts of mass murder were intended to frighten our nation into chaos and retreat, but they have failed. Our country is strong. A great people has been moved to defend a great nation. This is a day when all Americans from every walk of life unite in our resolve for justice and peace. America has stood down enemies before, and we will do so this time. None of us will ever forget this day. Yet we go forward to defend freedom and all that is good and just in our world. And God bless America. The definition of coincidence is a remarkable concurrence of events or circumstances without an apparent casual connection. And while the Man Fuse podcast isn't all about conspiracies, we do have to go in with an open mind when we look at all the events of 9-11 and all of their apparent casual connections. Was some of these things a coincidence? Maybe. Was it a conspiracy? Don't know. Don't know if we ever will, but we will try to keep our minds open and our blinders off. I'll let you decide on what you think is coincidence or conspiracy. Either way, thank you for listening. Hey, we are back. It is the Man Fuse podcast. I am Kay Lee, audio producer, sitting here with the co-host, Ben H. That's who I am. That's what I do. He's a real estate entrepreneur. And just all over a good guy. He's a true mensch. Oh, man. A pillar of the community. Daniel Bland came on our podcast uh, three episodes back because we wanted to understand with an open mind the theory that these flat earthers believe. A flat earther, if you don't know, is someone who believes the earth is flat. Not 
a sphere. And that it's stationary. Correct. Particularly that it is not moving at the rate at which we understand it to be moving. They call it the motionless earth. So Ben H. Ben H. had been introduced to this gentleman by the name of Daniel Bland. Yes. And they had hung out. Instead of being like, oh, these people are damn idiots. We would come in with an open mind because I want to understand. Yeah. And Daniel is a super smart dude. And as he was telling his story, right. he touched on a time in his life because Ben H. and Daniel both served in Iraq after the 9-11 terrorist attack. We did. They didn't know each other. Right. But he detailed his time after coming back and his investigation into the 9-11 attacks. Well, interestingly enough, this is what led him into the motionless earth information. The research that he did on September 11th is what led him to the information on motionless earth and so forth. So it's really interesting. And if you know somebody who went to Iraq or Afghanistan relative to 9-11, you know, many of us are unsure about why we went to Iraq. And I think Daniel reflected that as well. So he's a really interesting guy. And as we were talking about it, having him on to discuss 9-11, you know, 9-11 is right around the corner. It's a week from now, basically. A couple days. We are all still devastated from what occurred. And we love to hear different ideas and different perspectives upon that. Now, I'm not, I've never been one to spend any time dwelling on conspiracy theories or doing the research. But when Daniel was talking, there were a couple things he said that really piqued my interest. Yes. Some of the points he made, I want more information. Yeah. Because do I believe everything the government tries to shove down our throat and then the media follows? Hell no, I don't. Here at the Manfuse podcast, we don't trust the source. <laughs> we don't. Not always. It's subjugated, right? Right. Before we get Daniel on, if you have any thoughts, please engage with the show. You can hit us up at manfused.com. Like us on social media. Subscribe to the podcast. It is absolutely free. doesn't cost you anything. And let's get Daniel on. Good afternoon. Seriously, thank you so much for taking the time for sure. to chat with us again. I was telling Ben H. yesterday, I was like, Daniel said some things really touched on 9-11. You were advocating that there be an investigation in to the 9-11 attack. Yeah, so I was in Athens, Georgia, University of Georgia, was woken up by one of my roommates busting into our apartment saying, y'all get up, we're under attack, we're under attack. His brother and I both jumped up out of our rooms and ran in the living room and he had a TV on already and we saw the smoking twin tower and basically ended up glued to the TV for two months straight. I mean, I was watching Fox News, I was flipping over to watch Ashley Bansfield or on you know, MSNBC, CNN, really trying to expose myself to all the different viewpoints. I kind of already knew that there was a divide, like the left-right media, so to speak, trying to learn everything I could about it. I was just shocked that, you know, America was so great. How could these people, like, hate freedoms that we have here? It was really a bonding moment for the country, too, at that time. Yeah. It was a moment where everybody kind of came together as, as Americans. 
right? Yeah, I mean, that's what happens when something like so significant. I mean, I think anybody above the age of 12 knows exactly where they were at that very moment. Yes. I was sleeping in because I didn't have to be at work till noon. I was a body piercer. It went across every channel of TV. So it didn't matter what TV channel you were on, that breaking news. Yeah. You saw the image and I woke up and I believe the first building had already been struck. So I woke up to, you know, just seeing flames coming out of the, um, I forgot which of the towers got hit first. I was coherent and awake when I saw the plane come in and strike the second tower. Yeah, the other one. Yeah, that's crazy. And I remember the people that were on morning radio, they never got off that day. They stayed on air probably for 12 hours. You're following every news source, trying to get another inkling of information. It was a stunning moment. I mean, I can remember I was in Fort Huachuca, Arizona at AIT for Army people know that's advanced individual training. That's when you go on your job training. I had joined in June at a time when there was no crisis or conflict occurring. And so for that to occur while I'm in AIT, it's like, oh, sweet, I guess we're going to war. A little opposite than your experience, Daniel, right? Because, I mean, this really motivated you to go and join the Army. Right. Yeah, I was ready. I couldn't believe that they would attack our country like that. Right. You wanted to hunt bin Laden down tomorrow. Yeah, and started selling T-shirts with, you know, bin Laden and the Target hairs. And, you you know, sold I mean, bin Laden T-shirts with the little sniper scope on them? Right. Dang. Yeah. Going okay. hard. Since you're talking about bin Laden... I wasn't in broadcasting, as I just said, when 9-11 happened. Yeah. But my one radio moment was here in Atlanta. We have probably six stations. I was working a 7 p.m. to midnight shift. No one was on any of the other stations. It was all recorded. I was the only live person in the studio when news had come in that Obama had been Laden killed yeah so i got to announce it that's amazing like, every break i'm like bin laden's dead <laughs> like broke up into song i'm like dude singing. that's crazy this is awesome i've never been in that position to where i got to report you should try to find so the big. audio of that it's out there it's in space it's in space well if there is space oh yeah there's no space <laughs> we have daniel on the line we, we can't say that no continue if you don't mind with your story i signed up uh two months after 9 11 joined the army uh they were i knew i wasn't a career-minded military person or soldier but just wanted to you know serve my country in that way and go teach these guys a lesson that wanted to take away everything we had going for us in this country and before i finished my basic training and advanced individual training they had already basically shifted the focus from afghanistan to iraq and we're you know talking about the weapons of mass destruction that saddam hussein allegedly had that's where i ended up going along with the majority of the new recruits that had joined after 9-11 because of 9-11. I believe it was around 5,000 or so sent to Afghanistan and then 100,000 sent to Iraq. I didn't feel good about the mission over there. It seemed like a lot of pointless convoys. The real missions that we did have seemed more like higher ranking officers writing up missions just so they can have a resume like i led operation tiger strike and we did this this and this but really what they had us do on those missions was we would camp out kind of outside of a town until about two or three in the morning and then bust up in that town kicking indoors and our mission was to remove everyone from 
you know, 15 years old to 50 years old, approximately. I don't remember the exact numbers, but basically military age men were coming with us. The women and children were just like screaming, terrified, and I could empathize with them. I could remember back to when I was a young boy, my dad would go away for overnight trips. It's a little innate fear there being, you know, his mom going to be able to protect us while yeah. dad's gone. You know, so I really empathized with those people and it really made me question what we were doing. But one thing about the military is questioning is not something that's encouraged or ultimately really accepted. Right. And so uh, I came home, didn't, you know, just always thought maybe it was about oil. Maybe it was about Bush finishing the job that his father didn't do in the first Gulf War. When you got back, you're still accepting the narrative that the military and the media had spun, right? Right. And I had a girlfriend when I left. And when I got back, take you to see this movie Fahrenheit 9-11. So I went and watched it with her. And even after watching that, like I still didn't come away from that thinking it was an inside job, just that there was a lot more corruption that we weren't really told about. Yeah. Conflicts of interest and whatnot. Still didn't like spur me to really dig into exactly who and how for 9-11. Yeah. I remember that documentary as well. It was very good. It was actually the first time I came across the footage of the collapse of World Trade Center 7 really struck a chord with me and made me realize something that is really wrong here. Well, what about Building 7 made you turn your head? The fact that it wasn't really reported when it came down? No one really saw it as far as if you weren't there? The lack of coverage or media mention on it, there was only like Dan Rather did one blurb. The BBC reported it had collapsed 20 minutes before it actually did. But other than that, hardly any mentions of it at all the video of how it collapsed it was a classic controlled demolition like it was just straight cut at the core it fell at measurably confirmed free fall speed that means there was zero resistance there how long after the twins came down did building seven fall it came down at 5 20 p.m there's a lot of Barry Jennings was a career employee that worked in that building. He worked for the New York Department of Emergency Management, highly coordinated with Giuliani's office. And he was trapped in World Trade Center 7 with Michael Hess, whose title at the time was the Crown Corporation Counsel for the City of New York. Dang. Which sounds like the top lawyer. Towers had already collapsed. Firefighters saw him yelling down from like the seventh floor they were able to rescue him and when barry jennings came out he started talking about stuff that was conflicting with the official story saying that they heard explosions in the lobby something had blown up in the stairwell that trapped him at the seventh floor Hmm. when they finally got him down and went over the lobby they were stepping over dead bodies in the lobby of world trade center seven Michael Hess wouldn't do any interviews. And what happened after that is Barry Jennings ends up dying mysteriously. Wow. And Michael Hess ends up being made partner of Giuliani Partners Law Firm. Interesting. There's more attorney connections in this. The uh, U.S. Solicitor General during 9-11 was Ted Olson. And we all know that the terrorists used box cutters. You know how we know that? How? Ted Olson, uh, Solicitor General, coming on CNN and telling that he received a call from his wife, Barbara Olson, who was also an attorney and like a legal contributor to CNN, that she called him from the plane 
And his first time on CNN, he said that she caught him twice from her cell phone. And that the terrorists had box cutters and accommodated. And that's how they were planting that story in the American mind. Then on a later interview on Hannity and Combs on Fox News, his story changed. And this is a weird detail to change. But he claimed that the call was a collect call that went through the Department of Justice and was routed to him. Interesting. Reminds me of that old saying, oh, what a tangled web we weave. Right. Trying to keep up with your own story. Or maybe there was a strategic reason why they had him change that detail. I don't know. But then it gets worse because when the FBI did their trial against Zacharias Musawi, they showed all the phone records from all four flights. And they only had one attempted call from Barbara Olson. And it was unconnected call zero seconds. Is it confirmed that she indeed died on one of the planes? I mean, she was listed as a passenger list, but yeah. you know, I, I think that the passenger list in themselves was another highly suspect thing. I mean, these were all cross-country planes, um, all filled with less than 25% occupancy. And I've done a fair amount of flying in my life. And um, When you go to yeah. New York, it's really never at 25% occupancy. No. You know, unless you're going to some podunk small town, going to a major city, they're going to have that plane full. Matter of fact, they oversell them, right? Like, they, they wouldn't be able to stay in business. You know, one of the things that is pretty clairvoyant in most people's minds is the way in which the towers fell. Even the first two. Specifically the first two. We know that planes hit those towers. And then with regard to Tower 7, that was a collateral damage, basically, we were told, from when the towers fell, that this thing got so beat up that it ended up falling, too. But it also was reported that there were some form of fires in Building 7, correct? If you look at the way in which the towers fell, and I think what Daniel's going to bring up with regard to Tower 7 is the way in which it fell is not indicative of, number one, the materials that these buildings are made out of, and number two, the way in which they might fall in the event that they were compromised at the place that they were damaged. Right. Those buildings were designed in a manner that conflicts with the official story. They didn't fall in a path of least resistance. They fell through all resistance, the whole entire structure. Perfect straight drop. Instead of falling over, like, just basically breaking. Yeah, and that's what a controlled demolition is. Yeah, exactly. That's how a controlled demolition drops a building. People are always going to ask, how could they have wired these buildings for demolition without anybody noticing? And I heard your last podcast episode where you guys were talking about, you know, having a hard time seeing how corporations would have to be in bed with the government, like Jeff Bezos space program. Yeah, how vast the the conspiracy uh, would need to be. It's hard to imagine. I mean, it really is, isn't it? But let me give you a, a little information that I think might help. Here it comes. When I was researching SEC filings of these companies, Securecom was a public company. So, you know, they were required to file a quarterly and annual reports showing who their board members were and everything. And what's interesting about Securecom is not only what they managed security for on 9-11, they, they were responsible for security at the World Trade Center. They were responsible for security at Dulles Airport. And they were responsible for security of United Airlines, all three which had major security failures that day. Hmm. 
So when we start looking at Securicom, who are the leaders? Who are the board members of Securicom? Well, crazy as it may sound, Marvin Bush, George W. Bush's little brother, is one of the board members. Wirt Walker III, a cousin claimed by many people of the Bushes, George Walker Bush, right, was the CEO. And a Kuwaiti prince was also on the board representing a Kuwaiti American investment firm. Hmm. And then with Carlisle Group, like you know, the question is always who benefits, right? Yeah. So there's the Carlisle Group, which George H.W. Bush was a board member of and senior advisor. And the Carlisle Group's one of the largest private equity groups in the world firm. Yes, it's massive. Yeah, and they own a ton of military and defense companies. Wow. The Bush and bin Laden families go back quite a while. Back in 1978, one of bin Laden's brothers, Salim bin Laden and Bush, founded Arbusto Energy in Texas. Interesting. Bin Laden actually had a very wealthy family. So I think the deal was we go blow it all up. They get the contracts to build it all back. He was an ally at some point in our history, wasn't he? Yeah, they're uh, business partners going back to at least the late 70s. Wow. Okay. And there was another of Bin Laden's brothers that's one of the major investors of the Carlisle Group with H.W. Bush. And so these families coordinate these events and these stories and make a killing, you know, because all these wars and adventures are funded by tax dollars. So they're the beneficiaries, these families that are telling us these narratives and are the beneficiaries of all these tax dollars the government is allocating to the companies that's owned by their private equity firm. And that's so true because we know that companies are in business to make money. Okay, these are not nonprofit organizations. Number one, that's the case. Well, you could be a nonprofit and still make money. But I'm just <laughs> saying, I mean, th th these are real construction companies. Right. These are real defense contracting companies. Right. What he's saying about tax dollars being spent is that's exactly what it is. It's your tax dollars, you're paying your taxes, it's your tax dollars being spent to fund these things. And so the companies are a recipient of tax money. Of course, they're getting hired for the jobs. Right. It's the same with the whole Cold War between the U.S. and Russia. All those tax dollars, both NASA and then the RASA or whatever the official Russian program is, they're both relatively small organizations that are under the Department of Defense of each country. And so all those tax dollars, I mean, NASA's budget right now is up to like $19 billion a year. It's insane. How have we benefited from NASA other than being entertained by some cool-looking imagery and videos and allegedly that they helped create Velcro? <laughs> um, you know, have, have they benefited your life in any other way? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> they helped create Velcro? Velcro? I, that's the story I've heard. They're geniuses. <laughs> Dude, we should come up with a Manfuse shirt that says, I'm the man who created Velcro. Yeah. You had said something, too, in the last episode that I think Ben H. and I both were like, hmm. You said they privatized the gains in the inner circle of the conspirators and then socialized the losses to the citizens and the masses. Therefore, we right. end up paying higher insurance premiums. Also, you had made reference to the fact that the new owner of the World Trade Center, right? It had exchanged hands in the recent months before 9-11. Six months prior to 9-11, it went from the towers went from being owned by the New York, New Jersey Port Authority and were privatized to Larry Silverstein. He only put a few million dollars down. 
the first thing he did was doubled the insurance coverage, which they had had him, I think, at $1.7 billion, and he bumped it up to $3.4 billion. And then he ended up suing his insurance company after the attack, saying that he needed to be paid out double since there were two planes, and it was two separate attacks. A few million down, six months later, he um, maybe didn't collect the insurance money exactly six months later, but six months later, the attack happened, which ultimately led to him collecting $7.2 billion or so in insurance and rights to rebuild the Freedom Tower there. He was trying to seek a demolition permit for right, the Twin Towers. Because of the asbestos in the building. You probably remember... Um, all the first responder problems, right? The people that... Um, they're, they're still having problems. Right. Many are dead and being exposed to that type of toxicity and dust. Oh, yeah. You breathe that in. It's a slow death sentence. After he acquired the Twin Towers from the um, Port Authority, what was his gain after he acquired the Twin Towers to have them to de- demoed? Yeah, to, for the demolishment permits. So what I was going to say is I don't know if it was I, – I couldn't remember if it was – I'd have to verify if it was the New York, New Jersey Port Authority that had tried to file the demo permit or Silverstein right after he I got see. them. But yeah, either but one, what would have the been there? was because the tenancy was really down. I mean, remodeling it was like an impossibility almost because it was so big. Right. It was huge. You imagine having to like just replace doorknobs yeah. on all the floors or hinges, how much that would cost. The way it was built, the cell phone and wireless internet oh, right. yeah. wasn't rating well in the build in the towers. That's right, because it was metal clad. Wasn't it clad with steel? Yeah. I mean, there's videos on YouTube of uh, Frank Martini was the construction manager for the Twin Towers. Right. And they did a documentary, you know, this clip, I mean, it's got a History Channel logo on it. And he was say, explaining, they asked him a question in an interview. They said, could the towers sustain an airline hit? And he said, yes, we were designed with right. that in mind. And then it was funny because that were brought up and what people would say is, oh, well, that was based on a 737. And the ones that hit the building were a 747 or something. Isn't that right, Daniel? Right. Yeah. But the way he explained it, he said that they were designed so it would be like a pencil penetrating a screen. Nothing to the integrity of everything around it. Even if it bent the upper floors and it was leaning and the weight of that broke off right. like the Titanic, yeah. you know, and then fell down. Right. The base would still be. Correct. At the Intact. break. I yeah. mean, the base itself, it was deep. I mean, I don't know if you're aware of how deep oh it was, but God. there was a subway station and a foundation underneath the subway station that went all the way up to the top of the building, right. connected. Down into the bedrock. But Frank Martini yeah. died on 9-11, but he was in there trying to rescue people from the upper floors and, and died that day. Another hero, New York fire captain, Oreo Palmer. That's Oreo, O-R-I-O. There's clips of him, uh, radio transmissions, you know, that where he was saying, yeah, I may appear on whatever floor impact was. He's like two small isolated pockets of fire, two lines will take care of it. So that contradicts how intense the fires were. Right. And, so, and he died that day trying to get the fires out. Yeah, we lost a lot of people that day, and it was super tragic. And most of them were lost. I mean, tragic nonetheless, people who got killed when the planes hit, 
people that were above those offices and burned to death right. and people who jumped out of the buildings once they realized they were trapped and, and they were about to get burned alive. But so many people died as well. I think probably most died from the actual collapse of the structures. Is that right, Daniel? Are you aware of that? If the buildings were full, which, you know, there's maybe evidence that a lot of people missed work that day and they were already tenancy was really down in the building. So who knows how really, truly how many people were in there when it happened. But I've seen multiple firefighters talking about that were on scene that day, bombs blowing up in the lobby of the trade centers, too. Yeah, I've heard uh, Uh, there's a lot of reports of those things. I mean, that stuff's easy to find, too. There's a lot of reports of people hearing bombs go off. Right. Something to dismantle the structure to make them come down. I just want to say this, too. Obviously, just crashing an airliner into a building in and of itself, that's not easy to do because in the United States, we have air defense, meaning we have jets on standby 24 hours a day, everywhere. At a moment's notice. Everywhere we have them. All over the place. But that day, NORAD was running drills, simulate war games that intentionally moved all the first responder jets out of the area. To Canada, right? That's interesting. Right. So we had nobody to take down those planes. So not only did this happen to be occurring, but it also happened that there was a war exercise which moved the first responders in that area, in that area, out of that area on that day. Right. Yeah. Another shady piece of It's either a coincidence or it's not a coincidence. I don't believe in coincidence. You know what I'm saying? You said in the previous episode that you had over like 2,000 hours of checking facts, you know, because people might go, well, who is Daniel Bland and what certifies him? 2,000 hours investigating something and fact checking. It makes you a damn expert, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, you know, it was because it was something I'd almost lost my life over, right? So that makes sense. If, if I took the stare down death in the face based on being provided false information, I'm, I don't like being lied to one bit. I'm not afraid to speak my mind. Right. Um, I, I'm in Facebook jail again. I stay in Facebook jail because <laughs> I tell people straight up, no secrets here. Problems in societies is we build this society based on lies. Other than the 9-11 narrative nearly costing me my own life by decisions I made based on that information, because I believe the TV was reporting the truth and looking out for our best interests and everything until I started digging into all this. But they created something called the September 11th Victims' Compensation Fund. Who's you they? Know, remember the Congress. Okay, Congress. Did. And there was a guy named, uh, I think, Kenneth Feinberg, who was um, responsible for administering it and so basically they said all right you know here's a hundred million or whatever the exact number was in tax dollars to settle with all the family members that lost somebody that day and so what they were doing is saying hey you know can't sue the airline just take this couple million dollars and it's the best we can do and he settled like 90 percent by basically paying off these victim family members so they cannot do any legal action or have a continued cause around what happened that day but the 10 percent or so that didn't take the hush money is what i call it a lot of them were women who had lost their husbands in the towers that day a group of about nine or ten of them collectively got together and became known as the jersey girls is that what they they, spun the jersey shore off of (laughs) so they would uh 
they got together. They were tri- going to Congress, like demanding real investigations. Like originally, Bush and Cheney didn't want to have an investigation, and like the nine eleven commission didn't even get kicked off till a long, a lot later. Um, but and it was because of these widows, like going there and hounding, and hounding, and hounding, and they finally got you know enough interest and people behind them. They were able to get a meeting with Henry Kissinger, who's been a top advisor to most Republican presidents and he had been picked to head the September 11th commission, 9-11 commission. And they got a meeting with him and they said, uh, do you have any Saudi Arabian clients? Yeah. And they're like, do you have any, um, clients with the last name of bin Laden? And they said the meeting pretty much ended at, at that point and wow. he resigning from his appointment to lead the 9-11 commission. Seeing these widows and their, struggling how much did they love their husbands enough sure. to not take a couple million dollars when i was like really getting to know these ladies and watching their documentary 9-11 press for truth um which is excellent by the way i highly recommend it i just could only think I, I hope that god provides me a woman of this character level and integrity that's amazing and so how do these women feel in your understanding about the whole situation that they were being deceived, information was being withheld, that deck of cards was stacked against them, that it was uh, more to the story than was being told and that they could get answers yeah. to. 9-11 Press for Truth actually documents their struggles, like pushing for the investigation. Like one of the Jersey girls, Beverly Eckert, was one of the most adamant, and she was all up in the bushes. And then when Obama came in, she thought that, you know, maybe I could – he'll listen right so she got a meeting and at that meeting he ended up buying her plane tickets to go home wherever that was i think it was buffalo new york yeah buffalo new york um for something to like celebrate the memory of her husband who was a a 9-11 victim i'm not sure sure if he was a plane victim or a tower victim but you know she's telling him about the need for the 9-11 investigation yeah. the bush has been deaf ears and not helpful he gets her tickets to buffalo new york and then that plane crashes wow she gets taken out too dang oh, damn i never heard that yeah how did that plane crash um I don't supposedly story about crash but i think it was because of mechanical something ah, that's nuts, that's man. crazy more so, coincidences more coincidences co- i think that's the thing with this situation is that the coincidences continually stack up and you had said ben yesterday when we we're talking about getting daniel back on that anybody who served in the iraq war yeah anybody that went to fight after 9 11 right came back you can't speak for the whole, but from your understanding and your being there and yes. having, you know, guys you served with and nobody feels that the primary target right. of what you were told you were doing sits right with. Anybody. Yeah. And, and, you know, Daniel probably identify with this. I mean, I can't speak for everyone, obviously, but I can say that most people I speak to didn't really understand why we were there upon them going now once you get there you get in a couple firefights maybe a few of your friends die now you've got a reason to be there because you're fighting evil right right and you're also paying for your sins so you know you're busting in somebody's house and taking their dad away and watching this little kid scream and well now you may have an opportunity once you've identified the real bad guy to go remove a real bad guy from an area and help 
the same types of kids that you devastated. Right, so, or made an enemy out of. Right, and so then there becomes a whole different level of the game that you're exposed to that gives you reason to be there and reason to fight. But the WMD is what we were told, the weapons of mass destruction. Both Daniel and I were on the initial push into Iraq, and I thought we were getting hit with mustard gas. And I wasn't like Daniel. I didn't join because of 9-11. I joined prior to 9-11. I joined because the army was the only way that I could get a guarantee that I would live in Europe, which is what I wanted to do. That's why I joined. I'm like, great. I, I wanted to live in Europe. Now I'm getting ready to go across the border from Kuwait into Iraq, and we're going to get hit with freaking mustard gas. And your chance of surviving a mustard gas attack is so low, dude. So freaking low. And so we were under the impression that that was going to occur. And when it didn't, and then President Bush came on, you remember, 21 days in, oh, mission accomplished. Well, that's the time when everything started to turn bad. It was almost the creation of a vacuum, ultimately. We were like, oh, great. So I guess we're going home. Mission accomplished. Cool. We went in there. No, no, no. It's just getting ready to start. One other thing that Ben had brought up was the Pentagon. And about $4 billion disappeared. 2.3 trillion. So not four. I thought it was four. So explain this. I do want to point out that and remind people that don't know that there was no plane wreckage visible um, at the Pentagon on 9-11. There was actually even clips from reporters saying that there was no piece of debris larger than a phone book. But the day before 9-11, Donald Rumsfeld gave a press conference that there was $2.3 trillion missing and unaccounted for in the Pentagon budget. Put into a better perspective how much money that is, if you had spent a million dollars a day every single day since Jesus Christ was said to have walked the face of the earth, you still would not have spent that money. Normally, when $2.3 trillion goes missing out of a Pentagon budget— Don't you want to keep that under wraps as long as possible without having to admit it publicly? You know, I think they've they've got to if if there's any types of audits. But the thing is, they knew that they were going to destroy all the evidence related to where it all went the next day because what got hit in the Pentagon was the Naval Accounting Office. They were blown up, and the, the evidence, to me, shows that it was done from the inside. The bombs were placed on the inside. There was a group of... called the Citizens Investigation Team. It was two guys, uh, Craig Ranke and Aldous Marquis, and they went and interviewed everybody working that they could that was working around the Pentagon, the guys at Sitco Gas Station, security officers. It was a, you know an hour and a half long documentary. They interviewed a ton of eyewitnesses. They went through all the you know interview accounts that were part of the official record, but all the eyewitnesses were put in the low flying plane coming in, but it was, my direction may be off on this, but it was south of the Sitco gas station. And at odds with the down light poles that were part of the story at the Pentagon. No way it was possible if the plane on the other side of the Sitco from the light poles. And so from that perspective, you know, being that we had the attack on the Pentagon, we had the plane that went down in, in Pennsylvania, we had the two World Trade Center towers hit and collapse. And then Building 7 collapsed as well. Right. And there's video of Larry Silverstein saying, you know, they they made the decision to pull it, which is a demolition term. Building 7 because it was so damaged from... Right. But But why would you make the decision to pull it that day? 
Okay, right. we've decided. Let's just go ahead and drop that one. Yeah, we, yes, all, sir. We hit the, the button. All, all the chaos. What, what the bombs were mysteriously already in place. Right. Uh, yeah, he said he you know pulled the firefighters back, but you know that it sounds more like he's saying pull it using the term pull it in a demolition term. But I think due to the early reports of BBC twenty minutes before, but then there was another one on the American Network channel. It made me, when I was heavily researching this, the plan was to originally drop World Trade Center 7 when the tower closest to it went down. Got it. So that the rising dust cloud would have obscured the vision of Building 7 coming down. Gotcha. It would be synchronized. But Barry Jennings and Michael Hess being stuck up there and getting word out that they were stuck delayed the original plan. Because we don't want them to die. To get rescued. They want out before the building goes down. In order to rig a building to take it down, explosives have to be put in the right spot and they have to be wired correctly. Yeah. And you it's don't do a that in a overnight. 20, you don't do that in a 20 minute span no. with all the chaos of other buildings falling down in the area and dust clouds everywhere and people running. Oh, get those guys in there. Let's let's rig and this thing. Correct me if I'm wrong too, Daniel, but weren't there another three or four buildings that were dropped? Well, that had structural damage around yeah, it, there, right? there were. I don't know as much about the other. Yeah, there's a whole nother level of uh, information about the subsequent other buildings that were dropped as well. In the surrounding areas. Yeah, and what, what they represented and, and what they did and so forth. And I guess, you know, when when you look at something like this and you say, okay, why in the world? Why? I mean, how does this even make sense? Like, who's the beneficiary of it? Right. Why well, do this? Why do this? But also, if you're playing the long game yeah. and you know that this is going to give you the the ability to declare war and then, you know, move our troops to liberate Iraq and, you know, seek out these weapons of mass destruction. But at the end of the day, and correct me if I'm wrong or being ignorant, but we didn't take their oil. We're not still in Iraq going, this is our country now. So other than getting Saddam out of power. Which uh, was really not a smart move, to be honest with you. No, it wasn't. It, he was a bad guy, but he had them under control. On lockdown. Right. What benefit in the long so, game did we get except spending we, a bunch of money? You remove their roller and insert your own. You did pretty much take the, uh, the country, you know. Um, and when you change the currency and take out their currency and put in your currency after the mushroom it was the finance and the bailout that got me learning about the federal reserve that really that's the greatest money fiat money is basically the wildest craziest conspiracy going that everything else basically is revolving around because to, in order to keep the fiat system going they have to create enough new debt every year to at least service the interest on the previous year's debt. So all these things are all about creating more money and debt. And with 9-11, who benefits? Larry Silverstein benefited $7 billion. Hell, I'd like to benefit a seventh of that or even a 14th. You know, oh, let me borrow 20. That's just one angle. Then you've got, uh, yeah, going to war that you just hinted on. What'd they do? Afghanistan and Iraq. What's right in between those two places? Iran. So now we've surrounded kind of the, who they're painting as the last enemy major enemy in that area with they're surrounded with the u.s military bases now strategic plan for a new world order or a world government 
and that's what they've been. It's not just the bushes. This has been going on, going back to Europe and Greece and Egypt. I mean, this has been something they've been working towards for generations and generations. One thing's for sure, though. I mean, you know, it's so sad for the families of all of the people who died uh, in the attacks. And not only that, that were um, affected. We all were. And also the soldiers who uh, have been killed as as a part of, you know, this this whole scenario. Pete Davidson from Saturday Night Live. But his dad was a first responder who oh, died really? in, in one of the, yeah, I don't remember in which building, but yeah. The Carlisle Group is another major beneficiary of all this, which the Bushes and Bin Ladens are business partners in. I mean, their portfolio consists of companies that profited unbelievable money off of taxpayer-funded war campaigns. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, let me ask you about that. So what is then, ultimately, what is your conclusion upon, now that you've done all this research, you've laid out to us some things, and what well, is the conclusion that you've come and, to? And, and in my, hold on, let me piggyback off that. And in my research, I had watched a video when I was on my way um, to the studio, and there were seemed to be two kinds of conspiracy theories. One, that Bush let it happen. He got wind of it that we were going to be under attack and let it happen. And then the other conspiracy, you know, I guess, um, angle was that he made it happen. Which way do you think it went in your personal, if you had to guess or if you had to, you know, make a decision? Yeah, so I don't think it's just about Bush, right? Like, I mean, he was the president that day, but he, he wasn't, he didn't mastermind it. He was a, a willful uh, participant and they may have kept him in the dark to a lot of it. You know, this is more like old school, his dad, Cheney, Rumsfeld, um, and their international counterparts and business partners. Like hmm. the Bin Lots. Bush could have been just ignorant of the whole thing. Yeah, I think he was probably kept in the dark to a degree on some things. I mean, obviously, I don't know what he what he was briefed and what he wasn't in his classified briefings. But, you know, this is a family there. There were skull and bones, both him and his dad were skull and bones at Yale. Uh, John Kerry was a skull and bone. So I think it was 2008. We had skull and bones versus skull and bones for the presidency. So right. I mean, that should really help people understand that there are power brokers and they are working together to make moves, make news and promote their agenda and, and line their pockets yeah and, and move things around it's freaky man conclusion, i think it's you know uh, there is no conclusion until justice happens and i was hopeful when i became interested in researching and getting to the truth of 9-11 in 2008 and decided to start blogging and sharing this information i mean i always said i wouldn't get on facebook the sole reason i got on facebook was to share facts i was finding about 9-11 and I thought, surely my friends and family will also be mad that I was almost killed over lies and will want to do something. But it's just very uh, polarizing to people. And, and there's a psychological term called cognitive dissonance, where when you present somebody with information that shatters their understanding of reality, That's right. they just put up some natural blockages to towards their defenses. Right. Um, I don't but, have that, whatever yeah. that is. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have that cognitive. I like being open-minded. Yeah, you know yeah, me too. And you know, um, but like you said, you know, with regard to the motionless or flat Earth theory, it would have to be such a vast 
uh, conspiracy that it is mind shattering. Right, right. So in a way, it shakes your belief in everything. Right. I mean, like the simple fact that it could be that orchestrated for that long without as many whistleblowers as you would think. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, you know, there is a uh, growing community who believe in flat earth and there's a growing community who do not believe the narrative of 9-11. Do I believe the narrative of 9-11? No. I don't. I do not believe, and I believe that there is way more behind the scenes than the government and the people, you know, in power are willing to ever admit. Will we ever get that justice that I guess you were seeking, Daniel? I guess probably not. Not at this point. Yeah, I think we're going to have to wait on God's judgment the way it's looking. You guys ready for God's spanking? <laughs> Either way, we lost a lot of people that day. We sent a lot of people to fight we shouldn't have ever been there Mm -hmm. and a lot of people lost their lives here and there and still continue to just from the fallout of those buildings wild man really sad thoughts and prayers go out to all those families that were affected and daniel once again thank you for your service and all your thousands of man hours and i appreciate that and hopefully you know others uh, i appreciate you guys giving an audience to um, a couple topics that are I'm extremely passionate about and hopefully some others will be inspired to become more open-minded and want to seek the truth too and agree that we could, if we're all more truthful, we could uh, have a better world where less people are getting hurt. Yeah, man. So once again, Daniel comes through with some great information, a lot to consider. It's a really heavy subject. Man, yeah, I feel drained. Yeah. I mean, I I feel drained. I feel like I need a warm bath and an energy drink. A rub and tug. Something like that. <laughs> that sounds great. A reach around. Thank you again for listening to the Manfuse podcast. You can join the show um, at manfuse.com. Thank you to all our listeners. And Ben. Yes. I got us a WhatsApp account. Boom. Right. So we are Coming going to, to you soon. We got a number and I'm going to be posting it on our social profiles on our website. So Amazing. if you are in the country, out of the country, you want to join us, we're going to be sending out some uh, information. And as things continue to grow here at Man Fused, you get to come along with us. Hell yeah. 